Well, hello, hello. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to Path to Abundant Living. I am your moderator, Ryan Ruff. It's great to be back with everybody here on the show today. And, of course, I'm going to be joined by the stars of our show, my right-hand men, and, in, of course, Matt Nordman and Scott Morrison of Morrison Nordman Wealth Management. And we're going to be diving into a really unique topic here on the show today. As many of our frequent listeners would know, we love to bring on interesting, unique guests from uh, you know the professional circle of Matt and Scott. And today we've got a great guest that's going to be joining us today we have mr brooks warner and brooks is the co-owner of the mitten home team and i want to have matt and scott kind of share their background and their experiences in in knowing brooks and getting uh you know getting to to kind of talk with him about his expertise, of course, in the real estate market, but really, uh, really an interesting conversation given today's market and the landscape of things as a whole, very different than it was a few years ago. So we're going to be diving into all of that. We're going to get into some pressing real estate questions. Of, uh, you know, we're going to be, uh, you know, of course, exploring what to be on the lookout for if you are a, a buyer in today's market. And of course, just some general tips and tricks for the, uh, for the, from a real estate expert. So fun episode ahead, but first and foremost, let's go ahead and say hi to the guys. Matt, Scott, good to see you both this morning. How are we doing? Morning, Ryan. Morning, Ryan. Good to see you. Scott, how are you today? Looking well, Matt, as always. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to keep up with you, buddy. Just trying to keep up with you. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, uh, you know, we got a really cool episode today. We've got Brooks Warner from the Mitten Home team joining us. Uh, Matt or Scott, why don't you frame things up for us? Uh, why Brooks? How come we wanted to have him on the show today? I know we've got a lot of questions we want to run through him around real estate, but uh, share with uh, our audience kind of, you know, why Brooks? <laughs> well, to, today we're really excited to have Brooks. I mean, the timing seems quite perfect. Uh, as you had mentioned, Brooks is a licensed real estate agent and co-owner of the Mitten Home Team. Uh, he's a lifelong resident of the Lansing area. Um, he's also a, he's also proudly served his country in the Marine Corps from 2004 to 2013. Uh, coming out of the gate in the real estate world, he won the Bob Dingler Rookie of the Year Award and has only excelled since then. Uh, he's helped local individuals and families with more than 300 real estate transactions, and I can tell you that seven of those are with my family alone. Uh, so I've found Brooks to be you know, a true professional uh, who's in the business for the right reasons. And you know, with the current interest rates the way they are, uh, in mortgage environment, what it is, we thought this would be an ideal time to bring in a real estate professional like Brooks to discuss with our audience and our clients the particular challenges of buying and selling in this environment. So uh, we're just really, really thrilled to have Brooks, Brooks with us today. Yeah, and with that, let's go ahead and welcome Brooks Warner. Brooks, thanks for joining us on uh, Path to Abundant Living. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see you, Brooks. First and foremost, thank you so much for your service. It is uh, it is greatly appreciated. And I don't know if you heard, we had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney on from Folds of Honor. So again, anyone who serves, we are uh, greatly appreciative. Uh, so thank you. I did hear that. That was uh, a really cool uh, interview. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, so let's jump in. I'll, I'll ask the first question, you know, okay. you know in, in this area being the greater Lansing area, like inventory is a huge problem and interest rates and, and all this other stuff. So, so in your, like, how do you, how do you help people right now? in, in this situation, interest rates are the highest they've been, you know, in, you know, prior to 2022, everybody's like, Oh, 
I can get a mortgage for 3%. This is going to go on forever, which you probably know is not the case. So how do you help people and, you know, through this interest rate environment when, when looking to buy a home? Or yeah, I, I think, I think there's a couple answers to that question. Number one for me is education. Um, everyone tends to have a short memory and they look at the interest rates for the last decade, 12 years ish, since they've been this high. And they did expect that that was going to go on for forever, which obviously wasn't reality. If we look at long-term averages, we're actually really close to the historical average for interest rate. Um, it's taken some buyers out of the market for sure. And there's a number of different reasons depending on who that is. So happy to dive into all those different categories, whatever you guys want to talk about. Yeah, we would love to hear like what it is that that you are seeing, you know, kind of as they say, boots on the ground. We'd love to see it so yeah. that others can learn from from your expertise. So inventory, as you hit on, is probably the biggest issue right now. We're seeing the lowest inventory for, the, you know, the months that we're in ever in the greater Lansing area. And let's back up and cover that real quick. So every, all the numbers that I'm going to say in, in the market I'm talking about is greater Lansing area, which is roughly Neingham and Clinton County. If any of your listeners are outside of that area, highly suggest that they talk to a, a local expert that would know their market specifically. So little disclaimer there. Uh, but yeah, inventory in the Greater Lansing area is the lowest that it's ever been. Definitely some of that is because of interest rates. Um, I think we have a large group of the population that we're referring to as happily stuck. Like I would maybe consider moving, but I'm seeing what my payment's going to be because I locked in at three and a half percent sometime in the last four or five years. And now if I have to get a six and a half or a seven percent interest rate, and I upgrade my house, my payment goes up exponentially. So that's really hurting our inventory a little bit. Um, I think you should, thing is I, still, think, I, yeah. I just want to interrupt real quick. I think you should trademark happily stuck. Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably can't do that because I stole that from someone else. Okay. <laughs> a, a mentor of mine and good friend, uh, my business coach, Bill Middleton is the first person who I actually heard that from. Uh, so yeah, that's that, that's a big part of the population. Uh, but the first time home buyers are still hungry to buy houses, which is where the inventory issue is coming in because 7% interest rate is still way better than paying for rent that has gone up a lot in the last few years as well. I, would say, I was going to say that, you know, it's almost like when you refer to the education, uh, you know, reverting to the mean is what I'm hearing. You know, right. I'm hearing that we have we've been so spoiled that you know folks forget what what the average uh, mortgage rate is. Um, how do you when you say education? How do you educate a prospective buyer or seller in that regard? Yeah, so on my team specifically, and, and not everyone does this. We anytime we run into someone who's interested in buying a house. We do our best to schedule an appointment that we call a buyer consultation, and we bring them into our office and just go over, here's what to expect when you're buying a house, here's what the market's like now, here's interest rates, here's payments, walk them through the entire process so they know what's going on and they're comfortable. The hardest part is getting the people to let them know that because a lot of the news out there is really doom and gloom, and that's not an accurate representation of the market especially in the greater lansing area so when you 
you just talked about that that representation you know what's in the news the doom and gloom because we know doom and gloom sells more than good news yeah. but i digress um so in a situation like that do you find people surprised when you talk about the the good things that are actually out there and and counteract all the stuff that's the doom and gloom that people are hearing do you find people surprised when they hear this stuff from you and your team yeah uh, they are surprised i think honestly i i think the next six months ish to nine months is probably going to be the best time for buyers from a negotiation standpoint that they've had in the last at least five or six years um Right now, the Greater Lance Association of Realtors average list price to sales price ratio is still a little bit over 100%. So on average, sellers are getting a little bit more than what they're asking for homes. And I think that there's a couple of things that are going to happen in the market that will probably change that moving forward, um, especially through the winter months. So I, I think the fact that there's actually some negotiation that might be possible in the near future surprises buyers. I also think the fact that uh, people look at the market or look at the news and everything's bad. And then they talk to me and I tell them that the average house is selling for over list price. That's also very surprising to people. Okay. And so, so along those lines, you know, you, you see television shows like million dollar listing or um, any, any other show that talks about buying and selling homes. Do, do people have unrealistic expectations from watching those shows of, oh, are you going to do this open house, this extravagant, you know, type thing? Um, or, hey, I want you to list at, you know, you're saying, hey, a little over 100%, but hey, I want you to list at, I want a record selling price in this area. Like, Do, you, do people have unrealistic expectations from um, these shows? Occasionally, you run into people that have unrealistic expectations. Most people are pretty realistic. And when they when they're provided with the local data that we have access to around them it kind of helps a little bit um i actually i love big open houses on the team uh shout out to one of my agents rachel miller she does a great job so does hope bungard they do most of the open houses for our team um and I love big open houses we try to get as many people through there as possible flags all sorts of stuff um, I actually have more issue with sellers who don't want that. Um, why do you, which, why do you think, why do you think that is? There's a, a stigma around there that it's just nosy neighbors and people who aren't serious that come through open houses. Uh, and, and there are for sure some of those people who come through open houses, but we also pick up buyers and, and sell houses at open houses too. Um, so I think personally, the pros outweigh the cons because let's get as many eyes on your house as possible to increase the chance for getting it sold. Brooks, quick question for you. Given that that education effort that you do with clients right there in the beginning of walking them through the current situation of things, and then on top of Matt's question where maybe there are some unrealistic expectations or biases or, or um, you know, things they heard from a neighbor or a friend that they want to incorporate into their strategy. How do you, how do you handle some, maybe some of the trickier situations where let's say a client believes that a home that they're looking at or a home they want to list is more or even less than what you and your team view to be um, kind of what you believe it should be also up against what the market is dictating. Like how do you guys navigate some of those trickier conversations? Yeah, so I'll take that in two parts because it depends if we're talking about sellers or buyers. 
Um, I think both of them are kind of reverting back to the data. Um, it's been a little bit harder with the less transactions that we have to, to find comps, but if someone thinks their house is worth X and there's five similar houses that sold for X less $50,000, as an example, it, it gets a lot harder for them to, to push back against that. And then we always circle it back to motivation and what's most important to you. Because um, surprisingly, it's not always, I need this much money. Lots of times it's, I need this situation to happen. So one of the favorite questions that I ask when I first meet with someone for a seller is what would this experience look like to make it a 10 for you? If, if this was perfect, what would have to happen? That's um, a great question. Do you find, do you find similar answers? Like yeah. So honestly, a lots of times time frame and, and occupancy come out of sellers before price does. Um, I think a lot of that is uh, most people probably accept the fact that the real estate market is a market and value is kind of what value is. There's some things that we can do to, to maximize that market, the property well, and things like that. Um, but someone's not going to pay $400,000 for a $300,000 house. Like that, that, that's just, but what, just but what, if, but what if Zestimate says my house is worth that much? Uh, that's another really long conversation. If anyone's <laughs> curious about Zestimate, they actually have a disclosure about their accuracy on their website. I would just go, <laughs> go read that. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I guess I, to build, to build on that, what, what are maybe two or three things that a homeowner can do to add value to their home, uh, you know, that you would counsel them on it, it, prior to the, you know, the process of actually putting it up for sale. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone, right? So that's why the walkthrough of seeing the houses is really important. Uh, so that can change things a little bit, but I will say first impression is a lasting impression. And when you're trying to sell your house, what the potential buyers see first you're either going to win them and they'll be more forgiving later, or you're going to lose them out the gate and it's going to be really hard to get them re-interested in your property. So I like to tell everyone that most of your energy should be from their car to your front door and whatever they see when they walk through your front door. If all of that is great, they will be more forgiving on things that are maybe imperfect in other areas of the home. So that would be one tip. Um, decluttering is probably the next most common one. Um, everyone wants a house that feels big and looks big. So the more stuff you can get out of the house, the better it's going to feel to buyers. My general rule that I like to tell people when I meet them is if you haven't touched it in the last 30 days, you probably don't actually need it in between now and when you have to move anyways. So let's go ahead and get that stuff boxed up and, and get moved out. Obviously, there's some exceptions like art and things like that you would still want there. Uh, but as far as minimizing, let's do that. Sometimes it includes, let's take some furniture out of a room so it feels larger, um, especially older homes that have smaller bedrooms. People still like king beds and dressers, and sometimes you can make those rooms feel really small. So there, there's some things there that you can do from the seller side. What about personal items like family photos and stuff like that? Do you recommend keep those or remove those so that people can envision themselves and their pictures sitting there? Yeah, you, you hit it. I, I do recommend that. I don't have any personal experience. I haven't done like a, 
uh, a fixed test where I had people look at the houses with pictures there, but there's a number of studies out there that support the psychology of it's easier for a buyer to envision themselves living in the home if they're not staring at your face everywhere. I, I would imagine that makes sense. Uh, well, hey, and also quick question though, Brooks, for you to kind of double click into Scott's question a moment ago, let's talk about renovations specifically, because I know that's a big conversation point when it comes to getting your house ready to sell. And, you know, folks talk about renovating bathrooms, kitchens, closets, even where do you see the most bang for your buck when it comes to renovating an area of your house and then seeing that drive the value of the home up when it comes time to sell? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. Number one reference for that is Home Builders Association. If you were to Google Home Builders Association return on investment home upgrades, they do a study every year and it will actually tell you which ones give you the best return on your investment. Uh, ironically, every year, uh, front door and garage door are the number one thing on that. Um, I think part of that's because they're not nearly as expensive as some of the other things that they track. So it's easier to get a return on it. Um, other than that, kitchens are the primary seller for a home. So if you're going to put money into it, that's probably the best place to do it. They can also be very expensive. So that is going to, the ultimate answer is probably going to vary with each home on what condition is it is in compared to the comparable properties, right? Because if this is a, we'll, we'll, say a $250,000 house, you're not going to want to put $50,000 in the kitchen because you're never going to get it back, right? Um, now, if it's a higher end home that has a dated kitchen, now maybe doing that large kitchen investment will make sense. So it's really going to depend on each person's comparison of their home, what they have versus kind of the comparables for their neighborhood. Building on that question, Brooks, if I were to um, decide that I needed to renovate my kitchen, bring it up to date uh, for the purposes of selling the home, am I doing that with with my wife or am I doing that with somebody like yourself who says, you know, this might be your taste, but to sell this home, it needs to be this versus that? Yeah, uh, ultimately, I, I think that whoever your local professional is, is who you should talk to about that. And like I said, it's going to really depend on what the similar homes have in the neighborhood. Um, also, interior decorators, a lot of them will do a, a free consultation, and they will be able to give you really great advice there as well. So along those lines with the with the decorator, if someone's home, let's say they've already moved out and their home is empty. Do you recommend staging a home prior to sale or just leave it empty, leave it, you know, you know, the quote unquote as is? Um, so staging a home is the best way to sell a home. Um, it, it's not fully possible all the time, right? Like lots of people have to sell a home before they can buy their next home. So if they're living there with their two kids and their pregnant wife, like taking all their stuff out and putting furniture in temporarily is probably not possible. So I think of staging as a couple different levels of staging. One, what can we do with what we have here that gets into the declutterizing and, and the flow of the home and, you know, things like that, that we had already talked about. And then, yeah, if we're talking a, a completely vacant home, staging is great. And it's not as expensive as what a lot of people think that it would be. It's not 
normally high-end furniture. It's stuff that looks good to fill the space, but isn't very expensive. So you can have it done fairly affordably if yeah. you have a vacant home. Okay. And I and I just wanted to kind of come back to what you had said earlier about things to be done. And and you're saying, you know, from the car to the front door. And that <laughs> that survey shows perfectly, right? The garage door and the front door. Like yeah. that's what people are going to see. Yeah. Hey, Brooks, so, you know, to that, to that point, this is an interesting question that popped up in my head. What if, what if you're, you're living in, you know, the, let's say the home that you're selling is kind of almost right up against your neighbor's home, shall we say, and given how important that moment of from car to front door is, how do you navigate maybe a tricky conversation surrounding neighbors? Because neighbors might be out of your control sometimes to make sure that things look good on the exterior to promote, you know, a clean, safe environment, things like that. Uh, any tips or tricks on navigating those conversations? Yeah, so the neighbors are tough because that's their property and they can kind of do with it what they want. Uh, if they have a good relationship, sometimes I'll ask them like, hey, you know, how how close are you with your neighbor? Would they help us out and do these couple of things? Um, most people aren't comfortable having that conversation. So as far as someone showing up to see the house, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. They're going to see the neighbors, um, kind of try to draw their eyes to the house and away from the neighbors by doing things to prep the outside. And then same thing with the professional photography before we list the houses, let's make sure that we're really focused on the features of the front of the house. So people are focused on that when they get here, as opposed to the neighbors who don't mow their lawn as frequently as we would like. <laughs> one of the things that, uh, one of the questions that came up that in kind of doing some research uh, to come up with, you know, questions that would be um, important here today, it was something that really struck me with all the new technology we have with baby monitors, with, with, you know, the kind of things that people could walk into a home and not even know that their conversations could be, uh, you know, you could be listening to their conversations and you're talking about how nice the home is or how much you dislike the home. Is there anything that you do uh, yourself uh, to kind of counteract those kind of problems? Yeah. So number one thing is that that buyer consultation that we talked about when we bring them in, that's part of that is we need to assume every house that we walk into, the seller can hear what we're saying. There's some, some court stuff going on right now, legally seller. It's their home. They can listen. They're not supposed to record. Um, but you're right. Like You don't want to show your hand and say, oh, my goodness, this house is absolutely perfect. I would do anything to move in here uh, because if, if there's a negotiation, you just, you know, lost your chance. So uh, anyways, buyer consult, warn everyone, like, don't say anything. You wouldn't want the sellers to hear while we're in the home. Let's save those conversations for when we leave out in the driveway or something like that. Are they it, surprised? My recommendation. Are they surprised when you, when you bring that portion in, in your consultation that, Hey, you know what, what you say can and may be used against you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think people were more surprised about it. Probably four-ish years ago uh the home cameras with blink and everything have and uh what's the other one ring uh ring yeah they, they became so popular now that 
people are less surprised than what they they used to be even even in the driveway like you said hey let's wait till we get to the driveway i would personally i'd be like mm, i'm gonna wait till we're far away from the property before we have these discussions yeah. right so, so it's, it's a catch-22 for me because I have a series of questions that I ask all buyers when I show them a house so I know exactly how they're feeling about it. And the further we get from the house, the harder it is for them to answer those questions. So try to find that happy medium of, hey, if we go out by the street next to our cars, like... You can get little flashcards, right? And hold them up. There you go. You feel this way. <laughs> so, <laughs> little, right on a tablet or something, right? Here, uh, check well, yes, check no. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, how, I mean, is it okay for a buyer to talk to a listing agent? Is there, are there, what are the potential problems there? Yeah, I mean, there is for sure potential problems there. Uh, and that's part of what the real estate agent's roles are supposed to be is to pass that communication uh, in a professional manner from one to the next. So I always prefer that rather I'm representing the seller or the buyer that they bring their questions to me and I can communicate with the other agent. Um, so building, building on that though, how do you handle the situation where you're both the buyer and the seller's agent? Uh, so dual agency is recognized by the state of Michigan. So that can happen. I do try really hard to avoid that. Uh, if I have like, so I'm in a little bit of a easier situation with the team that I have, that if I have a listing and uh, someone who I knew that was a buyer wanted to buy it, I would just say, hey, are you okay with working with Rachel or Hope or John for this particular property so we can keep everything separate? And I've never had anyone push back on that. Um, you can do dual agency. Everyone has to sign a disclosure, let them know that you're representing both parties. And basically you're not supposed to tell any side of the, any side of the transaction, something that you wouldn't tell the other side. So it, it really, it can get kind of sticky. Yeah. I, I can imagine it would get sticky. So I personally try to avoid that. Like I said, I, I leverage the team to keep myself out of those situations. Not everyone has that luxury. Um, so they would just have to be very careful about what they say and who they say it to. Well, so to I kind of circle, to circle back around, maybe to almost, you know, the beginning here, are you seeing any creative, uh, given where interest rates are at and the lenders, it seems like there's some creative types of mortgages out there right now in anticipation of where interest rates are going to be, whether it's a year from now or five years from now. Yeah, there are, um, you know, so adjustable rate mortgages are back a little bit, not like they were early 2000s or late 90s. Uh, there are some people who are opting to take advantage of them. There are pros and cons. Uh, I'm not going to say never do an arm because maybe there's a reason for it. Uh, if with any type of loan, you need to know what you're doing and make sure you understand best and worst case scenarios. So that's one thing that has gotten more popular. Uh, I I do like the idea of the longer arms instead of like a short two-year one, because that could get, it's a very short time frame for things to potentially change drastically for a buyer. So, so I don't love that. I'm not a mortgage person. So, you know, right. con consult your local mortgage person. Those are available. The other thing that's happening is assumptions are kind of back, which is something that no one's considered for the last 
decade because there was no reason for it. But there are some mortgages that are assumable. So if I have a home that has a, we'll say a three and a half percent interest rate that I'm selling, and my mortgage is assumable, the buyer could take over my mortgage at that three and a half percent. The the problem is there's typically equity at that point, and that piece has to come separately. Okay. Either cash or if they could find a lender that would do a secondary mortgage for the um, the equity piece, the difference between sales price and what I currently have on my three and a half percent mortgage. Uh, so that's an option that is out there. Um, all the government loans are assumable. FHA, rural development, and VA loans. So if the homeowner has any of those, they can be assumed. Interesting thing about the VA loan, you actually don't have to be a veteran to assume a VA loan. Uh, So how many people are aware of this? I I was not aware of, uh, and I know you're not a mortgage person, but how many people are aware that mortgages can be assumed? Very few. Very few. do Do you believe that if people knew those people who are stuck might become unstuck. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the stories that we're working on telling uh, the people who we run into. So like, you know, I'll, I'll use our team as an example. We have a great listing in Hazlitt right now. Um, it's on like 23 acres. It's mid 400,000s. Um, but it's got like 360,000 of that is on a like three and a three and an eighth mortgage. So if you had the cash, you could buy that property for substantially less a month than something else in a similar price range or actually, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would imagine yeah, in a climate of of right now with higher interest rates, I would imagine that could absolutely be an attractive, uh, an attractive alternative for somebody that does feel like, oh man, gosh, I want to wait until interest rates come back down before I want to do that. But then, you know, life circumstances get in the way and maybe, maybe you need to make that, you know, purchase or you need to get into that home sooner and you don't have time to wait for more, you know, interest rates to come down. That's, that's a really interesting solution. Yeah. So, oh, I was going to say to wrap, I think we're getting closer to wrapping this up here, but I, I was kind of wondering about if you got your crystal ball out, where do you see things going in the next one to five years or five to 10 years, even from an interest rate standpoint? Yeah. Or just from the real estate market standpoint. Yeah. So, um, well, I'll kind of combine those together going off from what was just brought up about people not wanting to buy with the higher interest rate. I, there is no guarantee that they're ever going to go back down substantially. Like, like uh, Scott, you had said earlier, we're, we're pretty close to the mean. So if you're waiting on three and a half percent, you might be waiting the rest of your life and you will never be a homeowner. Also uh, even a slight drop is probably going to drive prices up quite a bit. So if you're waiting today because you don't want to pay six and three quarters or seven and a quarter, wherever they're, they're bouncing around there, um, you want to wait for them to drop to six even or somewhere in that range. That's probably going to come with a quite a bit higher price tag on the house at that point. Um, so make sure you're taking all factors into consideration and, and know what they look like, not just the interest rate. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. As far as the real estate market for the foreseeable future, 
I don't see any major changes because our supply and inventory issue, there's not a great solution to. So the U.S. has more people living in it than it's ever had. That's just is. And we have not started new construction at the level that we used to. So we are way, way behind on new construction, which means everyone has to fight over existing homes. Also, the cost of new construction makes it to where a lot of things are unaffordable for the middle class, which is the majority of the country and especially the greater Lansing area. So, so this is where all those higher interest rates and the hikes by the Fed and their fight against inflation really come into play. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there is, there, there's not an easy answer for the shortage of homes that are out there. It would be like multiple factors all aligning to, to change the supply and demand issue that we have. So I, I think for the foreseeable future, we're going to see prices continue to climb and a pretty aggressive real estate market. Which I, I'm guessing, you know, in your line of work, there's the there's the good and the bad, right? It's like, oh, this is great, but there's no inventory. We have tons of people who want who want to make that move, and yeah. yet there's nothing to show them. But having, you know, having the the strategy of the assuming mortgages, I, I think I don't want to say it's a game changer, but that has to be really helpful. It is super helpful. It doesn't work for everyone. Like I said, you normally have to have cash or something to come up with a difference. Uh, but it is a tool that people should be aware of and taken advantage of. Um, it, it's a very interesting time in the real estate market, you know. So I guess Greater Lansing area year to date, we're down about twenty percent in transactions. So prices are up. Uh, homes are still selling for over list price, but there has been twenty percent less transactions done in the Greater Lansing area than there was last year in the same time frame. Wow. So, a pretty big number. And nationally, it's a little bit over that depending on what study you look at, but it's somewhere in that mid 20% range, less transactions. So that makes things a little bit more difficult. So it's not unique to this area. It's not unique to this area. Um, it's pretty much so every market's different. It's relatively nationwide. Um, the extreme examples are basically around migration, net migration. So there are some states and some cities that have pretty negative net migration right now. So their real estate market is not doing as, as strong as Lansing's is. And then on the opposite side, there are some cities and states that have positive net migration and their markets are, are really kind of out of control still. Uh, and then Lansing and, and Michigan in general kind of falls into that roughly net uh, migration. So that's, that's less of a factor for us here. Well, really appreciate you coming here with your expertise. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you and your team, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Uh, so mintonhometeam.com is our website. You can find us on Facebook, Minton Home Team at Keller Williams Realty. Uh, same thing with Instagram. So you can find us all three of those. And then uh, you guys are happy to share my personal email and cell phone number with anyone who wants to have a more in-depth conversation if you want to do that as well. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time today, Brooks. Yeah, Thanks, thank Brooks. you so much for having me on. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Brooks. 
Alrighty, folks, there we have it. Brooks Warner of the uh, Mitten Home team, co-owner over there. Really enjoyable conversation today, diving into some of those real estate questions that are pressing these days, talking interest rates, you know, best practices for selling and buying a home, a lot of good information. Uh, Scott, what were some of your biggest takeaways from today's conversation with Brooks? Well, I just, obviously the, the conversation was really timely, um, but the the idea that there are strategies out there for both the, the seller and the buyer. Uh, obviously the discussion around the assumable, um, you know, mortgage was, was very interesting. Um, but I think that, you know, I, when he, when he coined the phrase, you know, happily stuck, I think that's, I, I think that's for a lot of people they're struggling with. If I sell my home, yes, I can get a higher price for my home, but then I have to turn around and have a place to live. And then I'm back in the market of buying at a you know a home, uh, assuming I don't I, I need a mortgage. Um, I'm going to be paying a lot more for that mortgage. So there's always that give and take, you know, with interest rates. Uh, interest rates come down, home prices go up. You know, it, it's that balance that he was referring to. And so I think all of those take all of those are great takeaways for the potential home buyer or seller right now. Mm -hmm. what, what about you, Matt? What were some of your big takeaways? So I agree with Scott, the, the assumable mortgage did not know that was a thing. Um, so that is something that, again, working with a professional, I think is so important. You know, are there tools that people can do it on their own? Well, yeah. But again, if you want to put yourself in the best position and make smart decisions, that's what we talk about all the time is making smart decisions with your money. Well, for a lot of people, right, this is, this is a significant investment of, of money and time. And so working with a professional like Brooks is so important. So the assuming mortgages was a big one. And, and just understanding that they have access to so much more data than than we do. Yes, the internet is fantastic for, you know, getting a lot of information. But again, Zillow and Zestimate, yeah, it's a nice little tool, but really how realistic is it in your particular area? So, so that's, uh, another thing took away. And again, the, you know, we always hear about curb appeal. And again, he just reiterated that, yeah, curb appeal is so very important. One, when you're selling, but also when you're buying, right? That, that's human nature is we drive up and go, oh, I like how this looks, right? We, we make decisions emotionally and then back it up with logic. Mm -hmm. And so then if, if you can come in and go, oh, I like the, Oh, I like that. I like the landscaping. This looks good, right? Then you're like he said, you're gonna come in and go, Well, yeah, okay. And we might have to paint in here, but you know, or we might have to put new flooring in, but that that curb appeal is so very important. So that was that was really interesting to hear that as well. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I kind of had three big takeaways and not to sound like a broken record, but yes, the assumptions thing, it sounded like it was relatively a, a newer concept for for all of us, or maybe not necessarily newer, but one that was maybe under the rug, shall we say, that a lot of folks don't know about. The second one was, yes, that's that ideal of, uh, or the idea of, of kind of your first impression is a lasting impression. Totally makes sense, you know, in the curb appeal that you just mentioned, Matt. But also what was really interesting specifically for the East Lansing area is that, yes, folks need homes and they're still buying homes at the moment, but right now they're seeing a 20% less transactions overall. So the need, the demand, it's still there, but then you're dealing with this contingency of people that are happily stuck and are, you know, don't necessarily want to give up that, that 3% mortgage that they might be locked into to trade it for a higher value home at a higher interest rate 
ultimately more money out of their pocket on a monthly basis. So just a lot of interesting considerations from Brooks and the team. And, uh, you know, this is what we're up against right now. It's And it's something that we can't, as Brooks alluded to, also, you might be waiting a long time, uh, maybe your entire lifetime, if you're going to try and see if you can see a, a, let's say, back down to like a 3 or 4% interest rate at some point in time. So just a lot of really good takeaways. And yeah, this was a, a great timely episode. I appreciated his his expertise and insight. This was, a, this was good stuff. And I know, guys, we talk about a lot of wealth management specific topics on the show. Today's, you know, today's episode merely just a component of somebody's financial world, their house, as you just mentioned, Matt, one of the bigger transactions anybody can make in their lifetime. And I know that you guys have conversations like these, you know, surrounding big transactions in your clients' lives, like buying a home on a regular basis. For anybody out there in the audience that wants to make sure that they have a trusted professional in their corner and wants to make those smart decisions around big moments and financial moments in their lives, like buying a home, what's the best way somebody could reach out to you guys and uh, just open up a dialogue and get your two cents as maybe they approach somebody like Brooks and the Mitten Home team uh, to enter this process of their life and buying a home? Yeah, so the, the traditional way we like to say is pick up the phone, 517 517- three 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 seven nine six seven or go to our website morrisonnordman.com and on there you can click and and schedule appointments with me or scott or um get all emails and phone numbers and everything to to reach out to us and and start that conversation awesome well gentlemen look a great episode today i appreciate both your times i know you got clients to get to so we'll let you get back to to serving them but uh looking forward to being back on the next one with you both hey Thanks, Ryan. Have a great day. Scott, see you soon. Okay. All right, guys. Appreciate you. And hey, look, folks, we're going to take a final moment, as we always do, and thank you all for stopping by and spending some time with us on the podcast today. If you did enjoy today's conversation with Brooks, Matt, and Scott, you benefited from the conversation any way, shape, or form, well, make sure you hit that subscribe button then on the platform that you checked us out on today. That way you never miss out on future conversations like these where we bring these great guests and dive into different wealth management topics. And, you know, so you and yours can come out better for it and armed with the information to make smart decisions down the road. Before Scott and Matt, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long today. We appreciate you being with us on Path to Abundant Living. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors. Morrison, Norman and Associates and Securities America are separate entities. All investing involves risk, including the possible risk of principal.